Um, we don't know which mountain. It might have been Mount Hermon. We don't know. But he took three witnesses with him. And maybe the reason he took three witnesses is because three witnesses was what would make an event um, um, true. It, would, it, it was like evidence that something had happened. So he took three of his disciples up the mountain. He was going to pray because he needed time with the Father. He needed to know that cl clearly the path to the cross was definitely the right one. He needed to hear from God. And not surprisingly, in the other Gospels, we hear that the disciples fall asleep. And we, we know that that, is, that will not be the first time that the disciples can't stay awake. Familiar behaviour. But they're woken up by this amazing sight. So here is Jesus transfigured before him, totally transformed. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And then appearing before them is Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And they must have been so shocked. Jesus was transformed and he was so bright they couldn't look at him. And there in the reflected light was Moses and Elijah. Moses, all that re represented the law, and Elijah the prophet. And Luke tells us that they were talking together about how Jesus was going to fulfil God's plan by dying in Jerusalem. Of course, we have the privilege of reading the whole plan from Genesis to Revelation, but the disciples didn't, didn't have that privilege. So Peter says, yeah, keen to do something, as, as uh, we all are, keep Peter keen to do something, rather ju just enjoy this incredible moment in history, says, let's put up three shelters, three shelters for Jesus, for Moses, and for Elijah, and he just doesn't get it. He's sort of treating them all equally, three shelters. He wants to stay up there, build some shelters, and then... A bright cloud covers them and a voice from the cloud says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Was it said in a way, this is my son, listen to him. Not the other ones, not the other people, listen to him. Um, I work in schools um, and I, I'm often amazed how much the children and young people listen to false information. Um, this week I was in a local school and two of my little nine-year-olds, we have a little club which uh, talks about, we, we meet and they um, share their worries. Uh, one little student was worried about flying. He was going to go to Mexico in the summer holidays, but he was really worried because he'd read on the internet that a plane had been shot down in Mexico. So he was really scared of flying. Another... Um, little girl was worried about um, her dad was traveling to South Africa to Cape Town and she had gone on the internet and she googled Cape Town and she said I'm really worried about dad he's going to Cape Town and it's really scary and people get killed and I was able to say I've been to Cape Town four times and I'm still here it is a it is a place that's not particularly safe in the world but your dad's going to be perfectly okay if he's sensible but they picked up all this wrong information from the internet and um, perhaps um, 
Yeah, Peter wanted Moses and Elijah to be treated equally. Anyway, God spoke at Jesus' baptism too. This is my beloved son, hear him, listen to him. So when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, absolutely terrified, and Jesus came and touched them and said, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And then as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And it's interesting when we think about um, what happened there. Uh, it just tells us Jesus was not an ordinary person. He wasn't some, you know, there were lots of gods around in those days. But Jesus wasn't someone who, he said to them, don't tell anyone. It's not the right time. Only three people went up the mountain. It says to me, actually, you know, this is an eyewitness account. This is a true story. It's not like all the other um, gods that people were worshipping. What can we learn from this passage? Well, I just have uh, uh, 25 short points here. Five short points. So they're all based around this. Jesus needed to. So the first thing Jesus needed to do was spend time with the Father. And that is just an obvious thing isn't it for us we need to spend time with Jesus and I remember someone saying that when my kids were really young and thinking you really do not know how hard it is to spend time praying with Jesus and I, I was very conscious that you know I don't want to be saying something this morning that is like me as a slightly older person my kids are all grown up having a little bit more time for anybody who had very young children, how hard that is. But I think even if the only place that you can get some peace and quiet is in the toilet, we still need, perhaps we need to just take that, we need to take that time and spend time with Jesus. And God understands the different stages of life. And nowadays we have audio Bibles, we have uh, worship music on our phones, we're able to spend time more with God. Um, secondly, um, Jesus needed to know that he was loved and he was accepted. And you and me absolutely are. Now, I've only ever heard God speak to me in an audible voice once. And funnily enough, it was on a mountain in Austria. I wasn't climbing the mountain. We were on a conference I was working for a Christian organisation and we were having a day off and we went out in this beautiful mountainside. But I was on my own and a clear voice in my head said, I am pleased with you. Now for me, having grown up with a very strict grandmother who brought me up and was quite disapproving, that was very, very important. And Jesus spoke to me in that moment. And, Jesus, and God spoke to Jesus and said, this is my son, I'm pleased with him. And he says that to you, this is my child. He sees Joyce, he says, Joyce, I'm pleased with you. Chris, I'm pleased with you. Jesus needed to know who he was. We need to know who we are. We need to know our, who our identity is. Um, 
I was brought down to earth um, many years ago when my kids were young. I'd been speaking at, uh, I, I did I say I'd been speaking at Spring Harvest. I'd just done a, a, a talk to a, a group of young people at Spring Harvest. And I'm on my way back. I've got my latest worship CD playing. I've got my hand out the window. No, I haven't really. I'm holding the steering wheel. Imagine I've got my hand in the air. And, yeah, it's all amazing. And, you know, I get out the car, pull up in the driveway, get out the car. I'm imagining, like, dubs on my shoulders as I walk up the driveway. And I walk in the front door. And Mandy's like, Graham needs a nappy change. And can you put the bins out? And I'm like... Okay, I'm back down to earth. But I, I had experienced God. I'd experienced knowing who God was. And so many young people that I work with today have lost their sense of who they are. They've lost their sense of who their identity is. Am I even down to, am I male? Am I female? Who am I? I do a questionnaire with young people with mental health issues. And one of the question, one of the things at the top of the questionnaire is male, female. Nowadays, we have a lot more descriptions and they're all dealing with this, thinking, who am I? And identity is a huge thing. Who am I? Jesus needed to be obedient. Jesus needed to be obedient. He had a path to take. The disciples knew exactly what taking up their cross meant. They had witnessed people taking up their crosses. They'd witnessed terrible um, uh, governments and um, rulers who would crucify people and put them along the side of the road. They knew what taking up the cross was. Jesus had to be sure. He needed to hear from God. How much more do we need to hear from God? Most times we don't get an audible voice. We, don't, we need to discern what God is saying to us. We need to spend time listening. Jesus needed to follow on, lastly, Jesus needed to follow on from what God had told him. Jesus had to choose a difficult path. Many years ago, Mandy and I um, were leading a youth group down in London and I was working for a bank and um, God began to say, do you know what? I want you to be doing the youth work bit full time. And I was saying, yeah, God, but maybe one day, but can I just get the mortgage paid off? And God kept saying this and I kept ignoring him. I tried changing jobs and I worked for another organisation, got made redundant. And that, at that point, I realised God was like serious and I needed to listen to him. And I needed to be obedient. I needed to follow through on that. And eventually we joined um, a Christian charity called Agape and worked for them for about 20 years. But I didn't want to obey God. I did a good job of avoiding him for quite a long time. So what is God saying to me? I'm really pleased that I got the chance to speak today because it makes me study God's word and I don't spend enough time doing that. So I think God's saying we need mountaintop experiences. It's lovely to be able to spend time with other people worshipping God, especially, I find, in big groups worshipping God. Mandy isn't quite the same. When she was very pregnant, we went to Spring Harvest and uh, we were in the big marquee and we were standing on these uh, 
benches that everyone was jumping up and down and the bench was going like this and Mandy was like the baby was going up and down at the same time. She wasn't quite so keen on those big groups of uh, people but we all need mountaintop experiences. Um, in conclusion, as we come to the end, I, I, as I prepared for this, I was getting some Twitter feeds and uh, Facebook stuff um, talking about something that's happening in the States, in America, a very smallish Bible college called Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. And it started out, they have a chapel service every week. They'd had a normal chapel service. It was Black History Week. They'd had a choir sing at the end of the service. And people, normally they needed to go to their lectures. They just stayed on and worshipped. And they just stayed and worshipped. And then people began to um, have Bible verses and words from God. And that movement started on the 8th of February and still is continuing. People are staying up in the mountain. They're, they're eventually, they're going to have to go out, and they're going to have to go out to the community and take God's love out. But at the moment, they're staying up in that, in that place and worshipping God together, and it's not stopping. Um, our culture is desperate for hope. Um, as um, I've been to a lot of different churches. I've worshipped in many types of of churches and worship events, and I've, I've felt sometimes like staying up on the mountain many times, but we need to come down from the mountain as well. We need those times of mountaintop experiences, but we also need to come down from the mountain. I want to finish with us listening to a song called Transfiguration. Um, as you listen to this song, imagine that you are actually one of the disciples. Imagine experiencing what they experienced, seeing Jesus so bright that you could hardly bear look on his face, but being aware of his presence, being in awe as they actually heard God speak. This song's called Transfiguration. Let's stay seated and just let the word speak to us. <laughs>